Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Atheists, agnostics, long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government hug the government love. The government hug the government love. The government hug the government love. Welcome to The Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm political scientist Michael Baranowski. This is a special bonus segment of The Politics Guys. We were not at all planning to release this, but after I listened to Trey and Ken's discussion of uh, Israel and South Africa, the genocide claims, I thought that listeners might appreciate a somewhat different perspective. And the way this came about is that my wife, Kimberly, and I were both political scientists. She's actually an international relations uh, expert. And we are considering doing a podcast of our own on sustainability and politics. And there's sort of a practice run for this. Uh, not too long ago, we just sat down literally in front of our kitchen table with a microphone to get a sense of whether or not we wanted to do this sort of thing. And we needed to pick a topic because we weren't just going to talk about, you know, how our days were or something like that. And so we decided we'd talk about the South African claims that uh, Israel's committing genocide in Gaza. And the, I, th- I think the clip came out fairly well. The audio quality wasn't great because this was just sort of a test run. But the more I thought about it, the more I felt that it, you guys might appreciate hearing this different perspective. And so please bear in mind the audio quality issues. But I hope you enjoy uh, the perspectives from both myself and Kimberly on this issue. So, Kimberly, what do you think about South Africa's accusation here? I think that South Africa, in, on one hand, I can understand how South Africa sympathizes with the Palestinians and what's happening with Gaza Strip, because the ANC has been a longtime supporter of, of Palestinian liberation. On the other hand, I think that South Africa is hypocritical because the South African government under Ramposa decided it wanted to that it would stay out of and not get involved with Russia's invasion, uh, making comments about Russia. Well, well, so I guess I think it's said these things. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important in that there are a number of ways 
to approach this, and, and with so many of these issues, there's the domestic political front from South Africa, then there's sort of the international issue, uh, the international politics front, but there's also sort of the legal, what international law says, and you can look at any series, and, and you were focusing on South Africa's domestic politics, and you mentioned that they're longtime allies of uh, the Palestinians, and that's, of course, because they lived under an apartheid state, and not just South Africa, but there are plenty of countries who see what Israel is doing with Gaza and, and in general with the occupied territories as being, uh, it's been called uh, an apartheid state. So there's a real connection there, but there's also that connection with Russia that you mentioned, because they're longtime allies with Russia, and they were fairly slow to say anything negative about Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And so this could also be seen as sort of in an indirect way being kind of pro-Russia. Then there's a whole other element of it where South Africa's ANC party is on really shaky grounds. They have elections coming up later this year, and it looks really likely that even if they may hold on to power, they're going to be under 50% in the vote for the first time in, well, since forever, essentially. And so there's a lot of that pushing South Africa's response domestically. What about in terms of just the actual charge. I mean, they're saying that literally that genocide is being committed by uh, by Israel against Gaza. What do you think about that? Well, first, I, I wanted to comment on the internal domestic politics of South Africa because very much that seems like a wag the dog situation to me where there's an attempt by the South African government under Ramposa and especially the ANC, who's been under criticism for a long time, to just deflect and, and put attention somewhere else, away from the high unemployment rate, especially um, people aged 25 to 34, who it's almost 40% unemployment rate. And... Um, that, in fact, is actually, incidentally, even higher than rates of unemployment in Gaza. So, wow. yeah, so they're, they're trying to, I think that's one thing is they're very much trying to deflect what's going on at home and, and rouse up nationalism and fervor um, domestically to support the ANC in its upcoming elections. I think um, as far as the Russia aspect that, that it's interesting that even though South Africa was not critical of Russia's invasion of uh, Ukraine and tried to stay out of that, that Russia turned around and sort of undermined South Africa anyway. Um, and so then to the point of its position on Israel and, and its accusations, I think its actually accusations are quite unfounded. I think that while, if, if you consider the actual definition of genocide as it's been laid out by the United Nations after World War II, I think that it's unfair, I, I, sorry, I think that, that it's completely inaccurate that, that South Af what South Africa is saying, that Israel is committing genocide against the Palestinians. And, and just on that point, uh, because probably most people don't have the UN Convention on the Prevention of Punishment of the Crime of Genocide <laughs> definition of genocide uh, memorized. Uh, it consists of acts intended to destroy in whole or in part a national, 
ethnical, racial, or religious group through killing, deliberately inflicting conditions designed to bring about its physical destruction, inflicting seriously bodily or mental harm, preventing births, or forcefully transferring children of the group to another group. That's pretty broad, really. Yes. And so while that very broad definition of genocide that covers all of those things that you just mentioned, I don't think that Israel's retaliation against Gaza attacking Israel and taking hostages is is considered, I don't think what they did is genocide. But you're not saying that, you're not saying that it, the retaliation, that that it would be genocide if it weren't retaliation for something, because genocide is genocide, yeah. regardless of whether you're, what you're, retail. I mean, there's, there's nothing that justifies war crimes, whether right. they're genocide or anything else, right? I, yeah, but I, I don't think that what Israel is doing is actually, even its position on Gaza I, and Palestine, for that matter, and all of the other occupied territories, I don't think that what they're doing is genocide. It's horrible. It's atrocious. It's unjustifiable. Um, but because of, unfortunately, the creation, the way that Israel was created and carved out of, of this Middle Eastern territory that was largely dominated by Muslims, that I think that I mean, we have to remember that that when we're talking about these issues, we're talking about people. And these were people who were living and occupying these areas. And then suddenly the United Nations resolution comes along after World War II because of the horrific things that happened to Jews in Germany and decides to, to give the Jews a homeland. Okay, you get to have Israel and completely displaced everyone else in the process. They lost their homeland in the process. So while I, I sympathize with what is going on with the Palestinians, and certainly as oppressed people, I can understand why they have had to feel like they've had to resort to violence because they're oppressed. Um, this certainly doesn't justify what Hamas has done. And, and in fact, I, I think if you look at that, if you look, look at that definition again, Hamas actually does fit that definition of committing war crimes, but oh, sure. Hamas can't be tried because it's a non-state actor and the ICJ can only... So in other words, even if the ICJ were to issue a ruling, that ruling could be technically binding on Israel, but not binding on Hamas, which is why South Africa had to bring it and Hamas couldn't bring it because it, it can't be a party to a case in the ICJ. Right. But the International Criminal Court could actually lodge charges against Hamas. But again, mm -hmm. the extent to which even the, I, the ICC has any power to actually enforce anything yeah, is yeah, like, sure. I mean, Hamas wouldn't be in power, wouldn't have the, the situation being the situation it is. Um, if that were the case. And so... Um, I guess I'd also say that intent is really key here. And if you take a look at the evidence for intent that South Africa puts forward in this 84-page document, a lot of it is really painfully thin. And there are people who are clearly... There are people who have said, let's wipe out all of these people. But that doesn't... that proves that certain individuals said horrific genocidal thing but that doesn't improve that doesn't prove intent on part of the state as an entity and that's really the thing i mean they're really more what i would call sort of rev up the troops rev up the people call them motivating messages i mean 
I remember being as a troop in a war zone, hearing things about Iraqis that were just horrific, that what we wanted to do and, you know, bomb, bomb them back to the Stone Age and all this kind of stuff. But that wasn't genocidal intent, right? That was just some maybe not okay stuff. But there's a huge difference there, I think. And that, that's important to point out. I agree. I think that that Israel, well, Israel's got lots of internal dissent and internal domestic issues as well. Um, but I think with Israel that the, it is certainly not within the, the policy of the, the Israeli state to to eliminate the the Palestinians. And in fact, they have protections in place for them. They're not very good <laughs> at actually carrying through with that. And also, I think one of the problems is that that I, I think that they um, have gone in and actually tried to sort of colonize and settle these territories and moving Israelis in and and doing more to support those people that they've moved in than the actual Palestinians who were already there. Yeah, and, and that displacement thing through setting up settlements, that's not really part of the genocide. Now, you can you can argue that those are violations of international law, and the UN would agree with you about that, most countries mm -hmm. at least. Also, I'd say you can perhaps make a case that certain war crimes have been committed. There's really not a war you've ever seen where there haven't been war crimes that have been committed, but that's a different thing than genocide. And I think the reason why they're focusing on the genocide is because that can lead to this, this basically kind of a preliminary injunction, if you will, to kind of put more pressure on Israel to pull back. And Another thing I'll point out is that some people might say, well, if Israel is committing all these war crimes by bombing hospitals and schools and so forth, I should point out that under international law, while hospitals and civilian areas aren't legitimate targets, they become legitimate targets when they're used by the enemy for military purposes, which we know Hamas is doing for exactly that reason. And now an attacker does have an obligation under international law to warn residents to evacuate before an attack, which, as far as we know, Israel's been pretty good about doing here. So when it comes to serious international law violations and, and even genocide, most of the wrong really seems to be much more on the part of Hamas than on Israel here. For certain. And I mean, there's a difference between horrific acts and actually committing genocide. But it's interesting that as you pointed out, that South Africa took this route because it gives it leverage as a way to try to forestall any further action on the part of Israel in its, in regard to what's, what's going on with its, its attempt to try to um, get hostages back and deal with the fact that they were basically terroristically attacked by Hamas with on their own domestic sovereign territory. And this is one thing that makes it really interesting as an international relations case because most of the time other countries don't want to get involved in other countries domestic affairs and so of course the united states position is going to be to back israel no matter what um and and so barring the united states and some other countries like france and some other european countries who might otherwise be critical of what's going on they have to walk a very fine line here too because of their their Muslim populations with their own within their own countries, they don't want to cause domestic unrest, you know, um, and backlash within their own countries. And so, 
it's for South Africa to push, um, to try to push the International Court of Justice this way to, to get, I still don't know that I understand what South Africa's position is on this other than just to, to actually, one, try to get more support for itself to make up for what happened with its lack of action and criticism for Russia, Russia's action, and two, just to draw attention away from its own domestic problems. Well, wow. So I'm going to be the less cynical one here because, <laughs> which is really, believe me, rare for, for, for us, uh, that I really think that the reason why what Israel Israel's position in the occupied territories resonates so well with so many regular people in South Africa is they've experienced a legitimate apartheid state. They understand what it means when a small minority in their area is constraining their actions and activities in a in a way that everyone acknowledges. And so while you may, while some people may argue that that's not similar, maybe in some instances the analogy does not really hold, I think that to many South Africans, they see that and that was a lived experience for many of them. So I think that there's actually a, a, a legitimate non-sort of Machiavellian reason to support uh, to support the, the Palestinians, the people in in, uh, in Gaza here, even if they're not necessarily supporting Hamas. Yeah, but but at the same time, yes, there's there's no question that South Africans can and should and support the Palestinians, and and that most people shouldn't support the Palestinians' plight because they've been oppressed under the Israeli state since its inception. So, yes, I agree with you that South Africans actually have a legitimate reason, as you pointed out, from having lived under this. But at the same time, that's not most South Africans' primary concern. Well, sure. No, right? yeah, and, yeah, so, yeah. and that's what I'm trying to say here is that so, so this is something. So why is it that, that the South African government is focusing on this instead of a lot of other things the South African government should be focusing on? Right, like well, they like, can do something about this. I mean, they, well, they they can at least, at least make yeah. it look there like go, they're yeah, trying yeah. to do something about Symbolic this, gesture, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. And the fact that that South Africa has has um, recently hosted the Sudanese warlord, who's right now accused of war crimes committed in Darfur by the International uh, Criminal Court, and that they the uh, South African government also hosted the Hamas delegation to celebrate, well, to, to mark the 10th anniversary death of Mandela. Like, these are things that, that makes it, like, why does South Africa want to look like a pariah in a system when it needs all of the international help it can to sort out its problems that it's got? Yeah, I, I guess they're in a weird position, too, because Russia and before that the Soviet Union a long-time ally, because when the U.S. was dragging its feet about apartheid, doing anything about that system, the, the Soviets, Russia were, I mean, obviously they had their own Machiavellian reasons for doing that. And, and even now, there's that really weird balance that South Africa strikes. And, and, and I would say at this point, they're almost, you know, they're a bit more of an ally of Russia than the U.S. And so it puts them in a really weird geopolitical position in regards to all of this stuff. And, and is it really like how many years after the fact, like this is the ANC's 
chance to finally get back at Israel because it supported the white minority during yeah. the I mean, like political memories are long. <laughs> yes, political memories are long. But again, there there are better things ANC could be doing. And so many South Africans are so critical of the ANC and all of the corruption and all of the problems that it's had. Like, like. This is, to me, this is just clearly the ANC trying to buy some goodwill with its own people saying, oh, remember, here's why we came in power in the first place. Well, <laughs> Meanwhile, Nelson Mandela's rolling over in his grave, you know? Well, I, I guess maybe it's a win-win. They, they, you know, <laughs> they feel like, well, hey, it's the right thing to do. And also it helps us out politically. So what's, what's, what's the harm? Yeah. They had some guy right up to, I don't know, Bob wrote up the 84 page thing, whatever, who was probably unemployed because everyone is in South Africa. So there you go. I don't know. Anyway. So let me ask you, how do you think this plays out? Cause as, as I mentioned, yeah. this is uh, going to take, this would take years to fully adjudicate. And I have a hard time seeing this ending with some sort of a directive by the ICJ telling Israel to pull but I don't know, maybe maybe it does. What do you think? Well, if it would stop violence now, then that can only be a good thing. But in terms of the accusations, I don't think that the accusations that South Africa has lodged against Israel are legitimate. And I think it's a huge waste of the ICJ's time to pursue these and spend years when they could be working on other things that are much more constructive. And I think that um, as far as pushing Israel to actually change its policies against Hamas, that's not, this is not an effective tool to, or means to change that either. Because Israel... Right, because Israel is got a great, completely legitimately so with Hamas, because again, it's it's viewed by the whole world as accepted by the whole world as a terrorist organization, and as other countries, no matter how much they hate Israel and what's going on, none of those countries are going to support any sort of um, means to curb a legitimate, a sovereign country's legitimate control over its own domestic territory. Yeah, yeah. And that's I think that's what it boils down to. So I think that this is a waste of time of the ICJ. I think that absolutely the Israeli government has committed numerous crimes and offenses and just horrific things against the Palestinians. I think Palestine should be I, I I'm really sorry that Israel didn't end up at one point there was talk of pursuing this the two state solution. I think it would have been in most people's best interest to go that direction. Um, but Israel is also, I understand the situation they're in because Israel is also in, in the Middle East in a really precarious situation and position. Um, but at the same time, of, in recent years, Israel has pursued a lot of agreements with with neighboring Arab countries and Muslim countries and has made a lot of headway and progress in that direction too. So it's not like they're out there on their own like they were in 1967, where actually some of their neighbors were invading them. In fact, actually, they have far more support and have built up better relations with neighboring countries. And it would be better for those countries and neighboring countries to actually move in the direction of, of 
finding peace and having peace. And some of those same countries have gripes with Iran, who is behind a lot of what's going on with Hamas. I mean, state-sponsored terrorism of Hamas and and even in neighboring um, Yemen with the Houthis. So in the end, all we are saying is give peace a chance. (laughs) Oh my God, did I do that? All right, we'll we'll leave it at that. That's it for this special bonus segment of The Politics Guys. We hope you enjoyed it, and we would love to get your feedback. Uh, So let us know what you thought. Also, before we go, I'd just like to say that if you are a supporter, thank you very much. You make this all possible. And if you're not a supporter, I hope you'll consider becoming one, because you get all kinds of good stuff by becoming a supporter, like ad-free versions of everything we release, the full-length midweek episode instead of just that preview, access to our Politics Guys Discord group where you can interact with me, with Trey, with other listeners, and even the opportunity to listen in and comment when we record the show. You can support us on Patreon and even sign up for our free Patreon trial before you commit. And if a monthly contribution is too much of a commitment or, you know, you just aren't crazy about Patreon, we've got PayPal and Venmo support options, too. And you'll you'll find links to both of these in politicsguides.com slash support and in today's show notes. If you'd like to get our full-length midweek episodes, but you're not in a position to financially support the podcast right now, just send me an email. I'm at mike at politicsguides.com, and I'll be happy to get that set up for you. And whether you're a supporter or not, we'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe, rate, and review us on whatever podcast app you use, as well as share episodes on social media. And to get in touch with us for whatever reason, there's mail, mail, email. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could send us a letter, but let's go with email. That's mail at politicsguys.com. There's our Discord channel, which all of our supporters have access to, as well as Facebook and X. And you'll find links to both of those in the show notes. And finally, as always, a very special thanks to our fantastic executive producers. They are Bruce Johnson, Wilma Moreno, Andra Masker, Daniel Toe, Ryan Beasley, and Don Oglesby. <laughs>